Pod Boys Productions. It's your boy Pod Drew over here, and it's time to do a little 2019 check-in. It's almost, well, it is the holiday season. It's almost 2020, only a couple of weeks to go. People are throwing together their lists of best of the year, probably. I haven't really looked at any, but I'm assuming that happens every year. And I've been seeing a lot of films this year, and I don't know if my trusty co-host has. I think he has, though. Let's check in with him. How are you doing over there, E-Nam? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's your boy uh, here ready to talk about all the important things in life. And, of course, by that, I mean the Jeff Rosenstock concert that I decided not to come to today because Drew begged me to record this podcast with him. Well, we don't need to pull the curtain back too much, E-Nam. You know, I think, you know, you made an agreement, a prior arrangement to be on call essentially look it's not like uh you're a doctor it's not quite that level of importance but it's not unimportant is it not because again i missed i missed a jeff rosenstock concert for this okay (laughs) i only live in brooklyn he's here four times a year it will make you feel better if i tell you i don't i have no idea who that is well that sucks for you because he is a punk god and there are a few singer-songwriters Working right now, who capture the uh, vulnerability and rage that we, as a generation, carry with us. Normally, your milieu is trended more toward girl punk, at least by your own admission. Is that it doesn't sound like this is the case here, or is it some kind of ironic name? It's a very vulnerable, uh, but very masculine punk, yes. It's a little left field for me, I know, but, you know, I can say multitude. Is it just one guy or is it a band? Because, like, normally when I hear punk, I don't think... Well, it's a band named after a guy. That makes more sense. Stevie Nicks isn't the only person, yeah. Like a punk singer-songwriter or something, is not. I haven't heard of that too much. Well, yeah, thank you for uh, skipping that one and uh, talking little movies with me. And hey, I'll throw you a bone as well. We'll talk a little Neon Genesis Evangelion too. You ready for that? Well, uh, like, uh, as the people might know if they listened to our last couple episodes, over on my Drew's Views YouTube channel, for months now, I've been uh, reacting to that anime classic from the 90s and uh i'm basically at the finale i have two more episodes to go and then there's a movie i guess that everyone's telling me is part of it so but i'm i'm basically creeping up to the finish line so i've watched the first 24 episodes of the series so i still can't get fully spoiled obviously anything like that but i mean we could certainly have a discussion about a lot of the show i think and some of the themes and stuff and hey that might get us warmed up for movies talk but just in case anyone doesn't want to listen to the, the Evangelion stuff and just wants to skip ahead a few minutes or whatnot, we're going to talk The Irishman, I think. We both watched that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we might check back in on some other movies we've seen this year. And I generally have an idea to do maybe like my top five of the year so far from what I've seen. 
you uh, have some input that way as well. But uh, yeah, so that's what's coming up. But uh, yeah, with Evangelion, look, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good. Did you like that finish that I had there? It's uh, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty good. Yeah, it fucking rules. It, Evangelion cracked me open like few things in the last year have done, uh, which may be reflected on my movies list if we get to that later. Yeah, dude, how are you feeling? Just to recap for the listener, I guess, you had this is not something you grew up watching. This was a new thing for you this year as well. It got put on Netflix this year, I think, for the first time, and you right. only saw the series this this past, in 2019, basically, right? Right. I don't generally watch anime. I saw people online talking about this fucking bonkers classic anime that was coming out, and it's like, yeah, well, you know, I like, <laughs> I like things. It. And then, of course, it pulled my skull open and poured itself inside me, and now it's just part of me forever. Um, so. And would you say that, um, even though I don't generally like, cro- you know, orange appling, you know, cross pollinating with like comparing a movie to a tv show anime whatever but would you generally say that it's the best thing you watched this year even taking all the movies in account that you've seen from this year or previous years uh, from just in the past 12 months is it the best thing you watched well parasite's probably the best thing i watched this year and and maybe once upon a time dot 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 in hollywood and actually the watchman show that just ended uh just now uh, was fucking mm. fantastic, just like really beautiful and well told. Interesting. I've heard mixed uh, things about it. I haven't seen it, but um... other than those things, diving in for an entire summer to Evangelion, it certainly has defined like my 2019. Watching the show, watching the movie, watching the rebuilds. We can talk about it another time. <laughs> Listening to podcasts about uh, you know what's going on and people like freaking out and arguing about like the things that like are happening and the big larger themes and and then listening to another podcast where that happens and then listening to another podcast where that happens it certainly has been like the foundational piece of my like media year you've been listening to the asa cast is that the name of one should be it should be <laughs> that might be the name of this one i don't think that's out there yet. okay well our spinoff podcast will be the asa cast well i gotta see what happens to her i'm just to check in to let you know where I'm at with that the last so I last watched episode 24 and she that character of Asuka is catatonic basically like in the hospital yep. like has completely lost her uh, mojo to use a I guess an Austin Powers term she needs to get her groove back but what happened generally in the episode is that the final angel I guess they're calling it came in he's a kid he bonded with Shinji um, it was borderline sexual almost in nature, uh, but, uh, and then... It was at minimum gay. Yeah. It was, it was very romantic, I'm saying. Okay, romantic. and But then he had to kind of kill him, Shinji, and then... Boy, did he. And then he's like, that's the only person that ever said they liked me or something. Which I was like, is that true? Maybe, I guess, but... Yeah, and also really importantly, so there's the translation issue that everyone has with the Netflix uh, dub, because he says, like, you are worthy of my grace or something yeah i noticed that because i made like a joke i think i made a joke during my reaction about because they always say like your grace on game of thrones or like it's what you call like, <laughs> right. king or queen or whatever so i was like okay, what, what is the thing then what's it really supposed to be uh yeah but the, the translation that they used is according to people who know way more than i do about it like probably not entirely accurate and maybe a bit like purposely dumbed down 
for a Western audience, the phrase that Kaoru uses in Japanese is almost certainly directly translated to, like, I love you. It's more explicitly gay in Japanese. Well, I'd like to unpack this a little more, but I don't want to get too bogged down on, like, a specific, I guess, yeah, episode element, especially as we want to... You don't want to go too long on this, and we are going to do a. We was planning to do a, a you know, a, a podcast episode all about the show when I do finish it. For those who are interested or not, but so I want to talk more generally about it. But that is, I mean, I that is definitely interesting, and I don't, yeah. Even anything I'm about to say is like, gonna, I feel like it's going to spin us off in too long of a conversation. <laughs> I'm very excited to see the conclusion, and definitely though the past few episodes specifically. The whole show in general, but the past few episodes have been, like, super depressing. <laughs> like, I also commented toward the beginning of my episode 24 reaction, is this rock bottom for all the characters? It kind of seems like it is. But I don't even know if it actually is. It could get... could get That was before Shinji had to kill him and then all this stuff, so... <laughs> yeah. It's gonna get interesting. You know, and I guess spoilers for people who haven't... Fast forward, I had five, five six minutes, but... Spoilers for what I have seen so far. Basically, the situation everyone's in is, well, the whole thing with Shinji obviously hates his father and had to kill this guy who's an angel. Masato, uh, also Kaji, Mr. Kaji's dead, so Masato has to deal with that, as does Asuka, who's having flashbacks to, like, her mom committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Also, Dr. Uh, Ritsuko's mom committed suicide back in the day. And now she's, like, making the same mistakes as her mom did. And she's, like, locked... She destroyed all the raid dummies. Now she's, like, I guess in jail or something or locked up somewhere. And then Ray herself has died, the one we know. But she's, like, a clone, basically. And then there's, like, a new one. So that's... I mean, that's most of the characters I just went through. Yeah. And they're all, like, in a very bad place. And most of them hate themselves, it seems like. Yeah, well, we're at the end of, like, a Some six, explicitly seven same. episode run. Yeah. yeah. We're at the end of our six or seven episode run where, like, all of the primary characters' core traumas are coming coming up in their in their real life to, like, completely debilitate them. And that's very important. Uh, just with the themes overall, I guess, other than... I mean, like, clearly, like, a huge theme is, like, self-worth and also how you, like... Well, I guess that is also part of self-worth, but how you view yourself and how others view you and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's... Yes. And people have told me... I think you might have told me as well, but also commenters on my channel have said it's more about... The show's mo- less about plot and more about these themes or more about the character feelings and stuff like that. But with the actual plot, if you can do it without spoiling what I haven't seen, can you give me... like? I'm still get confused like every episode and even people some people have said like I'm doing a better job than other reactors <laughs> they've watched but I still I don't necessarily feel it like I feel like I am missing a lot still every episode just on the on what's literally happening on a plot level one thing that confused me in the last one was like did seal so seal is this like Illuminati style organization that's correct for a while I thought they were part of the government but a commenter told me to think more about it. it's like a secret society more mm-hmm. like the Illuminati so yeah, they're like the eyes kind of against, party. and so yeah, so they want to um, keep Gendo in check, right? Shinji's dad. So they purposely brought in what's his name, right? The final angel. They knew what they were doing. Yes. So Zila and you're supposed to wonder like, how the fuck did they've been wanting to fight the angels? How the fuck did they have access to an angel? Why is he a human? All that shit. And 
you're meant to wonder on that and talk about it and figure figure out like what what theory best works for you but basically so without spoiling you know what the base that they all like live and work in is protecting and like what the angels want to use it for and zila have been manipulating world events in order to get what they want out of the whole world situation gendo has put himself in a position where they must use and trust him but their purposes may not be like exactly aligned and with gendo so we found out that shinji's mom is like the basis for ray kind of right we did what is his i mean if if it has been explained by this point i guess what is his main goal right now like to it will become very clear to you on a rewatch like if you stop now it becomes clear on a rewatch and also uh in the movie it's going to become it, it's overt at a certain point in the movie okay so i just need to finish things off but yeah and obviously there's the whole second impact third impact and then the the um the whole thing with this adam the new angel kid said that it's not adam the thing they have in the basement or wherever they are it's like esther that's correct her name is lilith Okay, that's why they're calling Lilum humans, Lilums or whatever, right? Right. Okay. Oh yeah, it's which he thinks is pretty fucking clever when he finds out if you if you noticed. Yeah. So Lilith, not I don't know where I got Esther from, um, but that's another Bible name. Oh okay, yeah, I guess so. Uh, well, it, Lilith is a Bible name as well. I don't even remember that. Uh, Lilith is like an like an apocryphal thing. Like, well, first of all, that whole thing's apocryphal. But you know what I mean. Lilith is like a character who was allegedly like the first in this story. Lilith is the first woman that that uh, God made for Adam, but he didn't make her submissive enough, and they couldn't like be together forever. So she left Eden and like went to the world, and her offspring with like the demons who inhabited it became etc. etc. <laughs> Must have missed this in my Bible study. But yeah, okay. So also, I kind of made this connection just now, to, or not just now, but on my re- my last video I did. Like, is it Adam and Eve? Like, is Eva Evangelion like based around Eve, like Adam and Eve? Well, so they use a lot of Christian symbolism, uh, and definitely the names, like the names of all the all of all of the angels, come from like those texts or texts that surround them. But it is not. Uh, it is affirmatively not overtly like a Christian text. They genuinely okay. just use the names because it's cool. Okay, but it still can be based on that. Right. So the relationship of one character to another sometimes is described by the by the connection to their names in the like Christian Bible, and other times it's not. Okay, interesting. And yeah, Adam was, or I guess Lilith, we find out that's what it really is, is like, was like hung up kind of like Christ on the cross or whatever when we, mm-hmm. before the spear thing got ripped out, right? All right, well, a lot more to talk about with this, but um, like I said, we'll we'll do a, a follow-up pod all about it, probably go along on that one and deep, but let's get into... Man, I'm so excited. Uh, back to the movies talk, clock back in, everyone who... By the way, I say it, Ivan just said it just now, like, skip ahead a little bit. People always say that on podcasts when they, they're going to talk spoilers for a little bit, but like... How do people know <laughs> right. to really come want to come back? You, you, well, you put it in the uh, you you put it in the episode description, right? You give a that's true. I guess I will do that for this one. Mm-hmm. Most ones I've heard don't actually even do that. So.
right, so we'll get to, to movies talk then. No uh, Bake Off talk to you uh, this time, I guess. Although, I did watch the Netflix put up the, the holiday. Like, there's like a couple specials on there. Where this is going. I was even about to, if I was a little bit less lazy, I was gonna like even like pull like a clip and like send it to you on Twitter or something, but I didn't get, get together to do that. But I did notice that your girl that you uh, talked about, the biggest Bake Off crush last time we talked about it, Whew. is on the holiday episode. And let me tell you, uh, E-Nam, get out the way. I didn't remember who you were talking about when you were talking about it on that podcast. Now I got refreshed watching this one. And uh, and what's her name again? No, this is bad of me that I'm playing. I watched it a couple weeks ago, probably. At this point. I love Candace. Candace, yeah. Her bold lip, and I love her constant eye rolls. She is just the perfect baker. Yeah, Candace is my girl, too. That's right. That is one of my former crushes, definitely, now that I recall seeing her again. Let me just say you have some competition now, because she's top last. Is that something they say in England? They do say it in Germany, but it doesn't translate precisely. <laughs> okay. Well, I thought, like, top lad was something they say, so I was trying to get, like, the, the woman equivalent. Best boy top is boy. a thing, I think. Best boy, top that's boy. a thing. I'm top boy's a show, yeah. Operators. Top boy's a show, that's what I'm thinking of. Anyway, Candace, yeah, she's the, the full package. Oh, yeah, but, absolute queen of the Bake Off. You know what, too? I, start, I watched a couple episodes of Bake Off Jr., and that's how, that's where I am taken oh my god i didn't know they had that yeah they it's not on netflix but i was watching it elsewhere and they have um it's prue and liam the kid who's also on one of the holiday episodes they just brought this kid in i mean i'd call him a kid i think he's like 23 or something he's like one of the younger contestants but uh yeah he's really good as a as a host too interesting yeah and on the junior one they only do two they only do two segments they start with the the uh, blind one. Oh, yeah, there's the signature. Not they don't do the signature. They, they don't start. Do the signature. They start with the um, you know, the one where that's judged blind. Right. Anyway, and then they only it. do that in the show supper. Yeah. I wanted to do a little tentative. I guess tentative is the word. Uh, 2019 top five. What's a better word for like, just placeholder? Not maybe not placeholder, but you know, it could change, but. I don't have a fancy word. Ephemeral's not quite the right word. Let's just say 2019 top five subject to change. Because Little Women's not out. Other things are not out. Uncut, I haven't seen Uncut Gems. So Uncut Gems, I just saw yesterday. Spoiler alert, it's probably going to be on my top five list here. It was very it was very good. Really want to talk about it a lot, but I won't since you haven't seen it. I'll talk about it a little bit, but um, there's some things I haven't seen. I haven't seen Marriage Story yet. I kind of don't want to, but I guess I probably will. You've seen that one, right? Yeah, we've talked about um, our different reactions to Noah Baumbach's thing. Baumbach's not my, not generally my jam. I do like Adam Driver a lot, though, so, and, and I like I really Giants don't enough. normally, and sh- yeah, I, I fucking love that movie. Yeah, you don't, norm- good. you don't, you don't like how she could play any role? <laughs> I did not see uh, 2017's Ghost in the Shell where she played a woman who was originally obviously Japanese. By the way, did you see Jojo Rabbit? 
Uh, no, I've not seen that. So that that's not going to be in my top five of the year. It was a pretty good movie, though. If I had a top ten, maybe it would sneak out of there. I don't know, but there there is a scene where... Now, she's not doing blackface. It's like... She's put, but she puts soot on her face like a beard because she's telling the kid, like his dad's away or gone. Yeah, and she's yeah. like pretending to be his father. So like, but literally, she's putting like soot on her face and stuff. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> thinking like, she probably enjoyed doing that. This is part of the reason she wanted the role. I don't know. That's probably not fair, but uh, it was funny. Um. Anyway, yeah. Also, I know we wanted to talk the Irishman. Because we both saw that, that that took Netflix by storm. Well, we'll have time to talk about it to spoil a thing <laughs> that I have on my list. Okay, it's there and it's not likely to be bumped. I think it would be for me too, but I kind of so right now of the five, the five I've got in mind that I was put, going between that and Midsummer, which we already did a episode mm-hmm. on. I, I guess The Irishman is a better movie overall. Obviously, extremely different. It's just a little hard for me to judge, I guess, the Irishman because well, Midsummer I loved like in the, I had the theater experience with that. When we talked about it on the episode, go back and listen to it. But that was one where I watching it in the theater, I was really vibing hard with it. At, at certain points, I was really loving it. You know, I'm just getting that feeling that sometimes you can only get in a theater, or just sometimes you can only get it. You you just don't get it with every movie. Like when it, well, he would really love for you. he would love for you to have that feeling in a theater. I know, I know. Saying. That's the thing. I didn't see Irishman in the theater. I could have it played here in L.A. in the theaters. I did see another Netflix movie in the theater, which was a couple months ago, which was Dolomite Is My Name. Way down in the jungle deep, the lion stepped on the signified monkey's feet. Which so is really good, that. too. It's on Netflix. Not my top five, but it's very good. Written by the same people that wrote Ed Wood, which is a popular movie mm-hmm. about about Ed Wood, obviously. And they also... I haven't seen this one, but they the same writers also did The People versus Larry Flint, and yes. they did this one now. So that, that that's kind of like their specialty, I guess, this writing duo. They do, like, biopics kind of about these kind of people that are, like, outsiders a little bit. Uh, Dolomite is my name is about this guy, Rudy Ray Moore, from the 70s, who's, like, basically became an independent filmmaker. But before that, he he broke into comedy, like, at a pretty old age, like, his late 40s, I think, by doing this like character yeah, dolomite like, yeah and he did these like long kind of rhyming things but i guess a lot of people credit with him for almost like starting hip-hop in some ways like rap like this kind of style he was doing in the 70s was kind of started that whole thing so it is and it's a good and funny movie eddie murphy does a good job so that's an honorable mention for me But yeah, I saw that in the theater. I didn't see The Irishman. That's the thing. I'll ask you how you watched it, but I did watch this in about three settings. So the first about hour and a half, I saw maybe 45 minutes, then another 45. Then I sat down at home and watched the rest. But for the first two 45-minute chunks, I did watch it on my phone on the, the metro so just the way scorsese intended it i'm sure i guess i would say that colored my experience or i don't i don't know what i'm saying i guess i could say it definitely did but i still really thought it was a great movie but i don't know if that's bad you know it is bad in a sense i guess like you're supposed to sit watch a movie straight through but i mean is it bad or is it simply how we live now 
It is how we live now. I do, like, literally right now, I've, I've watched a ton of movies this year, and at points in this past year, I, I was watching, like, four or five movies at the same time, literally, like, watch half hour of once, go to another one. I, even right now, I think there's, like, two or three movies I have that I've started and haven't finished yet, and not like I'm giving up on them, like I'm planning to go back, but that's just how I'm doing it now. And with The Irishman, I do feel like it is... It could be, like, almost like a series, like a mini-series or something, you know, where you could watch it and, like... Like, it could be, like, four 45-minute episodes of a TV show or something, you know what I mean? It could be like that, kind yes. of. I don't think I lost anything narratively by breaking it up a little bit over, like, the span of three days. I could have lost some other things, maybe. Some overall themes didn't maybe didn't hit as hard for me by doing it that way, but I don't know. Basically, I'll say that's going to be, right now, that's my tentative number five for the year, which a lot of people might have it higher than that. Let me just, to, to see what if we're, we'll continue talking about this right now or not. Well, let me just ask you, this was pretty spur of the moment for the listener. I just kind of came up with this. We were initially, we we're going to just mostly talk to Irishmen. We kind of wanted to do that maybe a, a couple weeks ago, and we got we had to push this recording. So now that it's like, this will be our last one for the year, I kind of wanted to frame the episode more around that 2019 in general. So are you able to give your top five, again, tentative top five, in like a five to one order we'd be comfortable doing that now yeah i'm not saying do it right now but thinking about it would you be do you have five movies that you think are the uh, last five movies you've seen yeah in the last 20 minutes i've been kind of doing that in background while we've been talking and i definitely can okay so what would be your number five then my number five is probably going to be marriage story um i'm a okay. big fan of noah Baumbach, and the clip that's going around of those two just screaming at each other um, feels really <laughs> memeified for sure. <laughs> yeah, it feels really, and it's the same thing as the clip from like the Orange City Choppers or whatever, Orange County Choppers. Uh, like it's the exact same format, which is just perfect for the internet. But like, it feels really cheap and schlocky and poorly acted when you're just watching it. And I saw it before I saw the film. Okay, I haven't even seen the meme as like a clip. I've just seen it like the stills, you know. Yeah, yeah the, the clip was going around, like, some somebody posted the clip and, and wrote, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver invented acting in 2019 during the recording of this film, um, which isn't true. Adam Driver invented acting during the scene, which I tweeted, but nobody fucking follows me, where Alan Alda says, well, if I were representing you, and Adam Driver just goes, you are representing me. It's perfect acting. It is pristine. It is the exact right line reading. Uh, That's from, from this movie, though, right? It's a marriage story, right? Yeah. So that's that was what, yeah. 2019. I thought you were about to say he invented it, like, in no, another movie. movie. Same okay. film. Okay, just earlier in the film. Okay. L- 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 little moments. Smaller things. But this movie's fucking great. These performances are good. If you've seen the clip and been like, well, that's not good acting, uh, in the moment it does pay off. It, it does work. I know Driver's a good actor. And that's what makes me want to see it more than I probably otherwise would. Because, like, I do have a little issue with Bomba. I, I just, I don't know what it is. I haven't even seen all of his movies. There's some I... There's a, maybe one or two bigger ones I haven't even seen. Actually, I don't think I've actually seen Squid and the Whale. I've just seen, like, clips or, like, a preview of it, and I, it was, like, off-putting to me at the time. My parents didn't get divorced until I'm 29, and I still love Squid and the Whale. That one's about divorce also? Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Yeah, I haven't seen all of them, but the ones I did, like, the two or I don't know how many he did with Greta Gerwig, but I liked those ones more, I would say. And then this movie's kind of about that, right? Like, they were married and they divorced. Is that the deal? It's not about them. It's about him and his first wife, Jennifer Jason Leigh. Oh, really? So his movies kind of take a turn. He has this more, like, acerbic, just, like, 
quick and furious uh, writing style in his earlier films, uh, Squid and the Whale, shit like that. Uh, Greenberg is where it turns. So he meets Greta Gerwig, they have this very fruitful writing partnership, and then like they start to direct movies together, and now they're both working separately. So she starred in Greenberg uh, alongside Ben Stiller with him, and then they together they wrote uh, Francis Ha. Greenberg's and I haven't seen They wrote either. and directed Mistress America together, yeah. and then they've been working separately since. Yeah, so I, I like Francis Ha and Mistress America pretty well. Well, because those are his two best movies. Yeah. Greenberg I never saw, but it looked annoying to me. And, yeah, okay. So, I, for some reason, I, I really... The talk around this movie, I really thought that it was about... It was about their relationship. I didn't even know realize that him and JJL were married. Yeah, it's about his first wife. School. Yeah. Big fan of her, too. But. Yeah, she's wonderful. A great actor. Um, it's not technically... Like, a lot of the details are not details that their relationship had so like either they're wholly invented or it's about both of the relationships uh like all great art is about all things that have ever happened to you i don't know it's fucking great okay like i said i'll probably will get around to watching it but the yeah well and he's not your thing right like you you don't like him i yeah i don't know i I, maybe i need to get over it in a certain sense like i think some of the things i don't like are just like perceptions rather than what's I don't know. I don't really know how to I have articulate that with it. a lot of genres. I th- think that like you would like them. Like we like all the same movies otherwise. I'm not that big on action movies. But like I do love a small movie about people who are like not getting what they need from the other people in their lives and not quite sure how to tell them. Just like really hitting a wall when it comes to figuring out how to get out of this hole that you're living in. And I fucking love the like Joe Swanberg, uh Nicole Holof Center Noah Baumbach, like, the mumblecore is what people call yeah. it. I love all those fucking movies. They're all very good. Yeah, those can be... I do like a lot of them, but some, sometimes they don't always work for me. I mean, sometimes they're a little not enough there. I don't really put Baumbach into the mumblecore. I never really thought of him as being mumblecore, though. Well, he's certainly more, like, traditionally popular than Nicole yeah. Holofcener and Joe Swanberg and... Their, their other or isn't like the whole what's those brothers cohorts, the rest of their cohorts. um their whole thing is mumblecore you know um what brothers the, the two brothers that make movies and the one guy's and well they're both actors one of them's a lot bigger than the other um oh you know yes um, he was on a uh, league too fuck. you know yeah and that hbo show yeah. the guy from creep yeah. i don't I well don't whatever name. he didn't make any big movies in 2019 i'm sure he made something but not on the list yeah so all right so that's your number five marriage story like i said i'll I think I'm penciling Irishman for my number five, so we'll talk about it when when we get to it on your list, since you said it's coming up. Okay. Now, that means number four for me, I think I'm going to say is The Lighthouse, which I know you haven't seen yet. But just to talk about it briefly, it's, well, first of all, do you, you do want to see this one, right? Well, I, I don't know, it's a dumb question. I really want to see this fucking movie, The the Witch or The Vavitch. Yes, Robert Eggers is... The director, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite like hundred movies. I, I'm very interested in this film. I just didn't get out to see it because I suffer from depression. Yeah. So so you stayed at home and watched Marriage Story. That's right. That came directly to me. I didn't have to go to a theater. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's hard about this. Yeah. I think you can see the Vovich on Netflix now streaming, but the Lighthouse theaters only at this point. It's a true two hander, meaning two really just two actor movie basically powerhouse performances for sure it's uh robert pattinson and willem dafoe 
Now, it's also very, uh, just like, obviously this guy Eggers has like a thing for like old time talking and just like old time things. So the witch was, I don't know, the 1600s, something like that. 1700s maybe, I don't know. It was something around Like late 1500s, I think. So they talk, uh, 16th century. So they talk in that way they did in whatever, 1600s Massachusetts. This movie takes place, I guess, also in Mass, or you know, somewhere in that Maine or somewhere. I think in somewhere in that area, but now we're moved up to maybe like the eighteen nineties or something like that. Maybe even maybe even past the turn of the century, but somewhere in that general area. Um, these two lighthouse keepers, so they talk with how people talked then. A lot more updated, obviously, than the witch times, but still kind of uh, a different way of speaking at it's especially the Willem Dafoe character he's like an old sailor basically who doesn't sail anymore but just you know has to they have some name for what they call his late housekeepers but I can't remember what it is but like he's that that and Pattinson comes on as his like assistant and Dafoe basically makes him do like all the work and like pushes him around basically and he talks like yeah with like a salty sailor accent and everything like that it's a lot of very entertaining dialogue a lot of funny stuff it's definitely a lot funnier than the the vivich which didn't really have humor in it other than just like the the cosmic humor or like of, of like mm-hmm. black uh of the goat or whatever what's it called black uh, black philip black philip how did i forget that but th- so this one is more of like a dark comedy i would say kind of a movie of like two guys essentially going crazy eventually it's like the downward spiral sort of thing because basically what happens is it's not too much of a spoiler to say they basically get stuck there they're supposed the boat's supposed to come pick them up after like a month or whatever and it just doesn't show up and then so yep. they just they just <laughs> willem dafoe pulls out the the supplies or whatever or like the reinforcements which is just a big crate of liquor so anyway it's also even with the old-timey or, or the different style of dialogue. It's also shot like an old time, like like the aspect ratio and like the look. It's in black and white, and it looks like a movie that would have came out in like the twenties rather than a current one. So that one's a cool one to see in the theater too. Maybe a lot of people wouldn't be able to at this point. Maybe in some um, places around the country, it'll come back in, or, or yeah, it might still be playing. I bet and and like art house theaters all over the country, probably in a lot of places. But yeah, the, both the performances are you know powerhouse essentially you know Pattinson was great in Good Time by the Safdie Brothers which I'm going to talk about them more shortly great movie so I knew he was a good actor from that but he certainly keeps it up in this one I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see award uh, nominations for both these guys for this I guess I don't know if it'll be like because they're, they're essentially both lead actors like I said it's a two-hander I don't know they'll split that supporting whatever but yeah it's good good humor it's it gets edge of your seat at times yeah with the downward spiral and everything and it goes directions you wouldn't necessarily predict and all that sort of thing so it's definitely a great ride it's not too long either i think it's under two hours so yeah a lot of the imagery and stuff is interesting as well and obviously the lighting everything is great because of like the old it's got the look of the like 1920s film and yeah it's not obviously not heavy on plot uh it's probably no surprise but yeah, it's, a gr- it's just a good uh, experience type of movie. And I would say a lot of the, my favorite movies from 2019 were kind of like that. Even Midsommar was like that a little bit of just like the experience. I haven't talked about it a little bit, like the experience you have in the theater. What's going to come up next is the same for me is also similar to that. 
but what was, what's your number four uh, pick of the year? Yeah, I uh, I really need to fucking see Lighthouse. I suspect that if I had seen Lighthouse, it would have the Lighthouse. It would have hit my list. Uh, it, it takes a lot of boxes for me. I know from listening to people talk about it obliquely on podcasts, I was going to be very interested in it. Um, I'm desperate to hear Willem Dafoe scream, uh, you shouldn't have spilled your beans. I only hear, have heard other people say that, and I need to know what it sounds like in my actual brain. There, uh, yeah, that's great. And there's another part where I even have this screen. Someone I saw on Reddit, someone transcribed this the scene, and I screen capped it on my phone. So I won't spoil it now because you haven't seen it. But uh, there, there's one part where Defoe goes off on like a crazy rant kind of cursing out pads and on like literally like a three page if you wrote it out it'd be like three page like a crazy old sailor rant I, I guess i can't explain it more without giving away the joke of it but it's it's very funny but you haven't seen that one so again that's why right. this is the tentative list what's your tentative number four pick my tentative number four is midsummer which we've already talked about it's one of those films that crawls inside you and just kind of like cuddles there in like the top of your gut I expected to love it as much as I loved Hereditary in the theater, and it really didn't. And I was talking afterward with a girl who I went on a date to see that movie with. Um, we are not currently together. <laughs> as we talked about during our episode <laughs> yeah. about this, not a date movie. No, no, no. I don't think... I, I, I think that just wasn't meant to be. I don't think that... I don't think Midsommar or Ari Aster <laughs> are the reason that we're not you together. You won't blame Ari Aster for it. But actually, with your four and five so far, it is, I think, obviously... Marriage Stories about Divorce is a clear breakup movie, and Midsummer is as well, right? So is Midsummer. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, Great Assault listeners, I had a large breakup in uh, March. So, maybe that's colored my year in movies, but also... This is in the zeitgeist, these breakup movies right now, clearly. Yeah, yeah, I think those are two of the best movies I've seen regardless. And I'm still friends with my ex, it's fine. Okay, good. That's a... Listeners will be glad to hear you're doing fine. Just curling up at home watching the, the depressing <laughs> Eva episodes on Marriage. Now, does Adam Driver, to spoil it for me, does Adam Driver don a bear suit at any time in Marriage Story? Well, he sings... At the end of the movie, he sings a song by Stephen Sondheim from one of the Stephen Sondheim musicals, which is like donning a bear suit. Okay. Someone to hold you too close. Someone to hurt you too deep. Same thing, exactly. Oh, uh, wow. Sondheim in the, and I can't believe it's really good, man. This. Fuck off. <laughs> I will. I, I'm just not a, as a joke, because I'm, I'm not a big musical guy either, but. Um, yeah, Florence Pugh is amazing. Uh, I thought that that movie was, like, beautifully written, perfectly acted, uh, that the pace was perfect. It was hilarious. Yeah, that's a dark comedy, too, basically. Which, for, like, a movie that I expected to be a horror movie, yeah. For a movie that I expected to be a horror movie, like, came out of left field, and I was fucking ecstatic about it. Honestly, if you, with all the movies we've just been talking about, I feel like it's almost like you could have a Venn diagram of Marriage Story and The Lighthouse with, like, Midsummer's like, the middle one, almost, because it does have kind of things from both. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Anyway, though, um, yeah. So, yeah, the, the one thing about Midsummer though, is it's just kind of like how Oscar movies get nominated. That came out, what, back a while ago, back in June or something. So 
it's yeah. not as top of mind for me right now for maybe for other people too so that could be affecting the rating for me right now and like i did I say i don't think much like hereditary i think that midsummer is not kind of in contention for any oscars which is yeah. fine with me it like it, it it has its place here yeah i'm touching my chest and for the listener yes he is he's i mean he basically looks eric looks like he's about to recite the pledge of allegiance but it's it's about midsummer pledge allegiance to the bear <laughs> to the what's the swedish uh, pledge of allegiance i guess that would be <laughs> all right so let me hear your number three and i'll before i decide if i'll do mine first or my number three is the irishman okay so that being said we'll i'll talk about my number three quickly then it's another one you haven't seen and then we'll dive into the irishman so right now i'm putting uncut gems as my number i want to see that so bad I did just see it last night. It hasn't even been 24 hours since I... Well, it's been about 24 hours since I saw it uh, as of this recording. So you can take that with a grain of salt, an uncut grain of salt as well. It's like the reverse of Midsummer, where that's gone out of my head to some extent, even though some of the images are certainly burned in there forever, probably. But this one is, you know, it's super fresh for me. So I don't know. I was even thinking number two, but then I decided not, not quite, but... Because I don't know how the rewatchability of this one's going to be. Well, have you ever watched Good Time a second? So uh, it's another Safety Brothers movie. I already mentioned them. They did Good Time from 2017, I believe it was. That movie is very high-paced, suspenseful, start to finish. People say roller coaster ride. It's, like, overused. But that movie and this one, Uncut Gems, they're both, like, roller coaster rides. If you, like, have asthma, start having an asthma attack, don't have your inhaler, you got locked into the roller coaster. It's taking off, and you're like on, I don't know, on some type of drugs that it's messing. Like <laughs> that you, you yeah, know, basically, it's like a stress. It's just like a stress-inducing like two hours of like nonstop, no relenting. Basically, it's basically how I just categorize both these movies. Uncut Gems even more so probably than Good Time. There's a little, a couple more downtime scenes, no pun intended, in Good Time, where this one is pretty much started yeah there's like no rest basically but my original question was did you watch good time a second time ever i have only seen good time once on uh, on that fateful plane trip back from europe two years ago great fucking movie yeah it is i agree and my i'm only bringing this up because i don't know how much with these safety brothers films they're great clearly i don't know how much rewatchability they have and a lot of that's due to the fact that it is like so stressful almost Maybe that would be, I guess that would be lessened on a rewatch, but some movies aren't just aren't meant to be watched the second time. I mean, even if even great movies that you enjoyed or that you're like, that's a great movie might not be like, it's hard to watch the second time. So I don't know. That, that's just a debate about what the mark of a great movie is too. Also another, so there's a lot of similarities between the two in terms of the pacing and suspense and all that. They both, even though the character, the main characters are very different in the two films, they both have some similarities where it's like, basically it's like a, a guy that just keeps making wrong or bad decision. It's like frustrating to you because you're like, you're do, you don't do this, like don't do this right now, but they do it and right. they just make it worse and worse and worse for themselves. And the, both films are scored by, I think the guy's name is, it's like Oniatrix something or other, 
point something that adds to the stress level as well or the tension of the both films as well like the score he has for the, both these films great score for both but the very like like you're on coke like very like high like intense you know so do you know what the plot of this one at all is i really don't i uh, i think it's about sports gambling kind of so it's about a jeweler played by adam sandler in the diamond district of manhattan and yeah he's basically a gambling addict um there's there's people after him throughout the movie you get revealed more who's actually after him but yeah like i said he just keeps making things worse for himself when he does get like a win or he like when something does go right with his crazy schemes he doubles down and like puts it I got the big win unexpectedly. All right, let me double it or nothing on to like the next thing. So anyway, that's that's a lot of it. He has a family. Like on paper, he should have like a really nice family. He has a nice house, nice fam, like three kids. His wife is um, Adina Menzel. He's very good looking, obviously, and all this stuff. But that's like on paper what he has. But how he actually lives his life is like crazy. And he's like going downhill. He has a mistress as well that works for him. And he keeps messing things up with that. So, like, that's where it goes. Now, a lot of the, you know, we do we do NBA talk a lot or check out other NBA episodes on the feed here, Brooklyn Rebound Network. So, this is, I knew that, I knew Kevin Garnett was in the movie. I knew there was going to be something with sports gambling. Mm-hmm. Actually, the NBA is, like, a, plays a very large role in the film. I won't spoil it too much or anything. But Garnett has, gets a lot of screen time. He's playing himself. The movie takes place in 2012, so... Part of the NBA angle is that he's betting on, Sandler is betting on the first round series of, I guess, 2012 between the Celtics and 76ers. And at the time, the six, this is before the Sixers sure. had Embiid or Simmons. They're not the team they have now where yeah. they were kind of a surprise to even get in the playoffs. They're big underdogs to the Garnett Celtics. Garnett's near the end of his career at this point. Um, but basically... Right, that was the Drew Holiday team. I think so. Elton Brand even was still on the team, maybe. Yeah. Um, so Sandler has a guy played by Lakeith Stanfield who kind of works for him a little bit. Like, he, get, he gets celebrities kind of to come into his jewelry shop and, like, hook him up that way. So he brings Garnett in the one day, and then that's kind of where the plot, a big part of the plot goes from. So Garnett's in it a lot, and he's very good. Like, he's a good guy. I mean, he's playing himself again, but it's not like a cameo. Like, he's, like, one of the main characters in the movie, so... Can I pause here? Is he better or worse than LeBron James in Trainwreck? Better? I mean, it's not... It's completely... You know, LeBron's doing comedy in that, I guess. This is, like, more of a... Fair. More natural... Uh, another thing with the Safety Brothers movies that makes them really great is... Of the two I've seen, at least. It's very naturalistic, right? They, the New York, they portray there it does have the 80s kind of miami vice style lighting and backdrop but it's a good time especially with super realistic to like parts of queens you don't normally see in movies this is more manhattan yeah. but but yeah it's like very realistic essentially and and you live in new york obviously i used to live there like it's you could tell us to a certain degree obviously these guys are these directors are from new york grew up there they know the city really well i'm assuming they're jewish i don't know for sure but this is there's a lot of jewish stuff in this movie obviously or I guess not obviously, but well, Diamond District, New York. You know, there, yeah, there's some stuff like with Passover and stuff like that. And there, he's supposed to be with his family. He's like looking at his phone about the, the bets and stuff. Like that's part of it too, and all that. But um, now it's starting to ramble. But what was I getting back on? Po- oh well, Garnett. Yeah. So the NBA is plays a big role more so than I, I would have thought. There's literally one part, at least maybe one or multiple parts, where 
like I'm in the theater watching this, like the screen, the whole screen is just showing like NBA on TNT, like the literal game. So I'm assuming they made it in 2012 because like they're showing real footage from the games. I'm assuming they said it at this time period because that's actually when the series was. So it makes sense for the Garnett thing, I guess. That's interesting. Yeah, I would wonder like if they were like writing it back then but couldn't get it made because they hadn't made Tangerine or Good Time yet and like who the fuck are these guys to make this fucking movie? That's possible. They didn't make Tangerine, by the way. That's a different guy. But... Wait, I thought they made Tangerine. No, which is also a movie I like. Um, that's the director of the Florida Project. Okay, sorry. Anyway, they hadn't made Good Time yet. Yeah. The, I can see some similarity for sure. It's not completely out of left field to get that confused because that guy whose name I'm blanking on, um, his movies are super naturalistic yeah. as well. But they're a little more slice of lifey. Whereas the Safdie Brothers ones are like, again, adrenaline rush. Like one guy fucking his <laughs> yeah. life up and, t- you know, it's like the t- the race to the bottom. Kind They're of really committed to that. <laughs> yeah. That's all I'll say about it for now. Again, you haven't seen it. Probably most people haven't seen it. Only just came out in New York in LA this past weekend for us coastal elites, which you are one. So you, you don't have as much of an excuse as a lot of other people, but I'll allow it. Staying at home watching uh, Netflix. But uh, yeah, big big recommend for me. It's like one, again, just saw it yesterday, but I was thinking about it all last night, thinking about it. Basically, I haven't stopped thinking about it since I saw it. So that that doesn't always mean it's a, it's not necessarily the mark of a great movie, but a lot of times it is. A lot of the time, that's how you know. I often say, like, I left the theater and I didn't know how I felt about it, but I've been thinking about it ever since. And that's how I know I love this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just so, uh, I mean, Sandler's been getting a lot of talk because, like, it's not the type of thing he normally does. Does great. All the acting's really good. Uh, like, I touched on KG already. It's <laughs> surprisingly good. Because I think most people would like this. The only main reason you might not is if you just get, dude, get too stressed out by movies or you don't like that feeling. Too much suspense or too much. It's not even, like, cringe. Some movies are, like, cringeworthy, which is not even, this is, like, past cringe to, like, heart attack level, like. Or, like, just, like... Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. But, yeah, so, big argument for me. That's going to be slider number three. But let's talk Irishman. Hey, Pot Drew, checking in here just to let you know that the rest of the episode and the top five of 2019 will be coming shortly with part two of the podcast. Happy holidays, everyone. Somebody make me come through I'll always be there As frightened as you To help us survive Being alive Being alive Being alive Pod Boys Productions <laughs>